This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Today, we have a special episode. It is my special jet-lagged episode. (laughs) I recently returned to Russia after a good visit to the United States. And, of course, I was in Uganda in the middle of all of that. But today, I'm battling jet lag. And in the last episode, I mentioned that this episode might be a discussion of Abram and his faith. But honestly, I think it's better for me not to try and cover a few thousand years of history and faith in my current jet-lagged state. So today I'll tell a story about a missionary friend of mine named Yusi. Before I tell the stories, I'd like to remind you that if you have anything you'd like to share with me, any thoughts or ideas for future discussions, please feel free to send me a note at ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. And actually, I recently received a request from a listener who lives in America and is making more money now than she and her husband ever thought they would. And they want to hear a discussion about how a Christian can live in a wealthy society and think about giving. I looked back over previous episodes and I realized that I haven't done something that I've intended to do for quite a while now, which is a discussion about a biblical perspective on money. So I'm going to do that teaching in the future, I think maybe around the corner here pretty soon. And of course, a part of that discussion of a biblical understanding of money, a big part of that is going to be talking about giving and how a Christian should think about giving. So in that episode, I will specifically address what the listener asked for me to address in addition to the other things that I prepared. All right. So anyway, now let's get back to my story about UC. I have to give a little bit of a background here. When I first moved to Russia many, many years ago, I was helping mission teams serve in summer camps north of St. Petersburg. And also in that area, there was a Finnish foundation working, doing similar work. And I met several of the Finnish missionaries there. And Yusi told me this story, and it's really stuck with me. It's been a great help to me over the years. Uh, He and I were standing in a camp, and he just happened to share this story when we ran into sort of a frustrating situation. But, you know, before I talk about Yusi, I want to tell a fun story about another Finnish friend of mine named Heike. Heike, of course, grew up in Finland, and Finland is in the far north of the world, and it's pretty cool there in the summer months, and of course very cold and dark in the winter months. And he went to a conference somewhere down south. I don't remember exactly what country, but it was a southern country that was very hot and humid. And when he arrived on the airplane, it was one of these situations where he disembarked by going down the stairs onto the tarmac and then walking across to the terminal. So when he stepped off the airplane, he just stepped out into the weather there instead of taking a gangway into the air-conditioned terminal. So Heike, when he stepped out of the door up on that top platform of the stairs leading down to the tarmac, he felt, for the first time in his life, he felt this humidity and this heat. And he told me that he said out loud, What is happening to me? (laughs) 
He had never felt that humidity, never felt that heat. And it just, (laughs) it hit him and he had no idea what was happening to his body. Well, there may be people listening who don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but I grew up in the southern part of the United States, the state of Georgia, and I lived for quite a while in Texas. And those places are hot and humid. And I can imagine a Finn being quite confused about what he was experiencing at that moment. (laughs) So here I'll tell the story about Yusi. By the way, you'll see in the title, his name is spelled J-U-S-S-I, but in many other languages, the J is a Y sound. So Yusi shared with me the story. He was serving as a missionary in Thailand. And being a Finn, he enjoyed sailing. Finland is not only on the Gulf of Finland or the Baltic Sea, it's also got lots and lots of big lakes. So Finns like to sail and be on the water. So when he was down in Thailand, he got a little sailboat and kept it there at the harbor. And the first day that he wanted to go out and go sailing, he had to go and get permission from the harbor master to go off and sail, just to tell the harbor master what he was going to do that day and receive permission to go sailing. So he went down to the harbor master's office and asked what he needed to provide in order to get permission to go sailing. And they told him there, the harbor master told him, well, we need this document and this document, just a copy of these documents. And UC didn't tell me exactly which documents were mentioned, but I can imagine that they would ask for like a proof of ownership that he owns the boat and maybe a formal written request for permission, maybe some other things, but they just asked him for a couple of documents. So he went home and ran some errands, made copies of these documents, came back to the harbor master and gave him the documents and then he went sailing. The next time he wanted to go sailing, he came again and he brought copies of these documents and they said, oh, well, we don't really need that document but we do need two copies of this document and we need a copy of this other document that you didn't bring. So Yusi got pretty upset. (laughs) He was mad because he just brought the documents they told him to bring the first time and now they're changing the rules. And here I need to tell you that Yusi is a fair-haired, light-skinned Finnish man and uh, he would get angry and he just, you know, kind of starts doing his face would get red when he got mad. So... He goes off and he makes copies of these new documents and he comes back and gives it to him and he goes sailing. The third time he comes out, he brings copies of the last batch of documents that they asked him to bring. And they said, oh, no, no, we don't need this, but we do need two of this and we need three copies of this and we need a copy of this other document that you haven't given us before. Oh, you see, just got so frustrated and really angry. Oh, he was just so mad. No, so he goes off and he has to go all over town and it was quite complicated for him to go back to the apartment and get these documents and then go make copies and then bring them to the harbor master so he can go sailing. So finally he gets an idea and he makes 10 copies of everything they've ever asked for. Proof of ownership, passport, request for permission, copy of visa, maybe some registration documents, things like that. He makes 10 copies of everything that he can think of. And he takes a book and a sandwich and a thermos of coffee and he goes into the harbor master's office and he gives them some documents and they say, oh, we don't need this one. We need two of this and one of these, but we don't need what you just gave us. And so he says, okay. And he reaches down and he pulls out of his bag, you know, 
these copies that they've asked for him. And they say to him again, well, you know, we don't really need those. What you've given us is okay, but we, we need three of this other document, and you don't have that. And you see says, oh, oh, okay, I've got that here. And he reaches in, and he pulls out and gives them the documents they asked for. And they look at him, and they say, go sit over there. So he goes, and he sits in the little waiting room. And the way he described it is he's sitting, and he can actually see the men in the harbor master's office, and he can hear them talking. He's sitting in the little waiting room, and he can see them through the door to the office there. So he pulls out his book and gets his sandwich and puts his thermos and a little cup of coffee on the table next to him, and he just sits there and starts reading his book, eating his sandwich, drinking his coffee, very peaceful. (laughs) And they made him sit there for quite a while, and he just sat there eating and reading, drinking his coffee. And then finally he hears one of the men in the office say, I think he's on to us. What was happening is these harbor masters, they, uh, their life was not very interesting, and it was just a lot of fun to them to see this foreigner come in and get so angry that he just turned red when he was mad. They thought that was the most exciting thing. It was really entertaining. Oh, here comes that fin. Let's get him mad. He'll get red. <laughs> so that brings me to our scripture today, and this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, let me read in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and give you a little bit of context, and it'll end up with the scripture that we're heading for. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and apparently there'd been some problems with one of the members of the church, and he had counseled the members of the church to uh, discipline this member of the church because he'd done some things wrong. Starting in verse 5. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you, to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Well, that's where I'm headed. We are not unaware of the devil's schemes. He will break fellowships through a lack of forgiveness. That's one of the devil's schemes. He'll challenge believers through frustrating circumstances. The Lord allows him to do that. The devil will toy with us, hoping to force us to live by the flesh and not by the spirit. (laughs) You see, would just get so angry. And then finally he realized what was happening and he chose a path of peace. And that defeated (laughs) that scheme of the harbor masters. I do want to remind you of something that's real important. I think I've mentioned it before. Frustration is right next to anger. And we have to be very, very careful when we're getting frustrated that it doesn't roll over into anger, a selfish anger. And one of the devil's schemes is that he will put us into frustrating circumstances. And remember when Jesus was on the cross, he prayed for the people who were killing him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I think very often people in positions of authority in this world, 
don't really understand what they're doing. They can be driven by spiritual forces that they don't understand. I certainly have had my share of interaction with corrupt policemen, corrupt officials, and in churches I've dealt with people who are very selfish and uh, corrupt themselves, as a matter of fact. Maybe I'll tell some of those stories in the future. The Lord allows all that. He allows us to be in these situations where our faith is tested. God allows us to be tested. He wants us to pass the test. He's on our side. He wants us to win (laughs) those battles, and he'll give us the strength to do it and give us the wisdom to walk through these situations. The story about Yusi reminds me of things that I read about spycraft and how foreign diplomats can be affected by the actions of their host country. For instance, in a country that I know of, the hosts of American diplomats in a foreign country would break into the diplomats' apartments while the diplomats were working at the embassy, and they would rearrange little things in the apartments. So when the diplomat came home, um, the table might be in a little different position, or the, the keys might be in a little different place, or a chair might have moved, or some piece of furniture or something in the kitchen was in a different place. And it's just playing with the minds of the diplomats so that slowly that can cause a person to become paranoid or lose their mental stability because they think, I thought I put this over here, but it's there. That's another one of the schemes of the devil, to do things that would cause us to question God's kindness and his love to question whether or not God has everything in his hands. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We're followers of Jesus, and he is giving us wisdom. There's a scripture that says, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Has your pastor failed the church? Well, don't be scattered. Persevere, endure, press on. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. It's happened fairly often to me, that at the end of a mission trip, everybody, all the foreigners, are completely worn out and tired and really on edge. And then something will happen just within the last day or two that'll push people over the edge and they'll give in to frustration and anger. You know, we're just so driven by our desires. And when we get out of our comfort zone, we can really get grumpy and upset. (laughs) I'm not ignorant of the devil's schemes in that. Recently in Uganda, some things came up right towards the end of the trip that were, you know, tempting to me to just say, okay, enough. I'm tired of this. I would just want to get over it and get going, but I'm not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Those are the very times when we need to press in and live by the Spirit, rest in Him, allow the Lord to teach us more and more about the peace that passes understanding. Do you want to understand the peace that passes understanding? better? Well, the Lord may very well allow you into circumstances where you're going to have a chance to learn that. (laughs) And it can be hard. But I'm also laughing. You know, UC really had some insight there about the devil's schemes, that sometimes people just play with us. Evil forces just play with us. And we have to live by faith and be unafraid and be willing to die to ourselves and bear whatever the Lord allows us to walk into. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Now, the context of that scripture, we're not unaware of the devil's schemes, is within the church body and 
expressing forgiveness to someone who has expressed repentance over their sin. So I want us to remember the context of what Paul is writing. It's within body life, and any lack of forgiveness and lack of love. As a matter of fact, in verse 8, Paul says, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Any area where there's a lack of forgiveness and a lack of love and a lack of obedience, well, the devil can just use that to break a church apart. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We're not unaware of the way that evil forces work in the world. Well, that's my encouragement for you. As a matter of fact, (laughs) it's my encouragement for me. When I'm jet-lagged, boy, you know, you just get so tired and worn out and headachy. I remember teaching our daughter when she was a little tiny kid how to analyze her feelings without giving in to her feelings. And one of the things that we talked a lot about with her when she was young is how easy it is to get very, very grumpy when you're very, very tired. And just because you're tired doesn't give you permission to be grumpy and short with people or selfish or complaining. And I remember we were driving one time and she was back in the back seat and I just said to her, how you doing back there, Valerie? Something like that. And she paused and she said, on the outside, I'm okay, but inside I'm grumpy. <laughs> uh, that was just wonderful, you know, like for a six-year-old, a five-year-old kid to have learned that lesson that you can analyze those feelings And say, well, you know what? I'm grumpy, but that's just my state right now. It's going to pass. Well, that is so true of us. My goodness, how childish is it for adults when they get tired to start getting grumpy and jumping on people and snapping at them? I tell you, that's the time to hold our tongue when we're tired and grumpy and just wish everything was revolving around us and we could just feel better for ourselves. There's so much in our culture right now that says we face problems. Everything is a problem, and we want to have solutions, and we want the world to conform to our comfort, and that's just not the way the world is. (laughs) The world isn't about me. The world isn't about you. So let's be aware of our own feelings and our tendencies to respond in a sinful way, a fleshly way, instead of living by the Spirit. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Remember the devil? He prowls around. He's looking for someone to devour. He is actively looking for people that are weak and defenseless. And God has promised to give us those defenses, right? The armor of God. We're not weak. We're not defenseless when we live by the Spirit, when we walk with Him. By no means are we weak or defenseless. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. So we can be fully aware of the devil's schemes. We can be fully aware of his power and his abilities. But that should not have any effect on our emotions or our faith. Even under the most severe trial, we just have to hang on. We have to hang on and persevere and endure. Believe in the promises and the character of God and trust him that he really is a good shepherd that he really does know the best way for us to go through the things that he's allowing us to go through. We should focus on things that are unseen because those unseen things are eternal and we should not focus on the things that are seen because what is seen is temporary and it's passing away. 
Now, there are some who are listening who may hear what I'm saying and wish that it were true in their lives. Maybe you are saying, yeah, that sounds right, but I wish it were a reality in my life. I'm so overwhelmed by my circumstances and things are so hard right now. And I do not want to minimize the effect of the devil's work in the world, the effect of human sin. It's terrible. And death is introduced into this world through selfishness and sin. And death is a terrible thing, too. A loss of a connection with a loved one. That was never God's intention for human beings to go through that sorrow. We do suffer difficult things. As I've mentioned before, the pastors in Congo who go through very, very difficult circumstances. And God is calling people to encourage them to continue that walk of faith, just as the Apostle Paul so often encouraged believers to persevere, to endure, to press on, to finish the race. In the American system, one of our founding documents says that one of the primary purposes for human life is the pursuit of happiness. Now, that word happiness, I think, had a different meaning a couple hundred years ago. But nowadays, a lot of people, especially in the West and surely in America, feel like a priority in life is to pursue being happy, to pursue comfort, to pursue a lack of trouble. And then when people have a life that is difficult or hard or they're not comfortable, then they can start complaining or feeling like victims or comparing themselves to other people who they think have it better than they do, which is surely very rarely true. Christians need to understand that God's kingdom is not like that. God is not calling us to be happy. He's calling us to be holy. And when we are set aside for him and living in him, then not only can we be at peace, we can have joy. We can choose to be joyful, even in the circumstances that are very uncomfortable to us and very hard. God is giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. It's all there. It's all this gift that's there waiting for us. Our part is to die to ourselves. Our part is to receive what he gives, not to try to earn it, but to receive it, and then to give ourselves to being good stewards of what he's entrusted to us, trusting in his promise of the new covenant that he will not only give us the desire to do his will, he'll give us the ability to do his will by the Spirit. I think I'll wrap up with just one other thought here. It's come to mind several times recently, and I'm not even going to look these scriptures up. I'll just say them as they come to mind. It's something that, well, Jesus referred to this, and John and also Paul, three different scriptures that I think touch on a truth that we need to hold close to ourselves. In the book of John, towards the end, I think it's in John 20, John says the reason that he wrote that book is so that, well, there are two reasons, that the people reading it would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and by believing that, would have life in his name. So there's these two things, belief in what is true, and then life by that belief. Paul says to Timothy, persevere in your life and your doctrine, because in doing so you'll save yourself and those who hear you. And there we see that theme again, I believe, of life and true teaching. And Jesus, when he's confronting some religious leaders of the day, he tells them that they're wrong. He said, are you not 
wrong because you don't understand the scriptures and you don't understand the power of God. So there are those two things. The scriptures, the word of God, the precepts of God, and the power of God, the flow of God's life. These two things are necessary for that full life of a believer, that we persevere in what is true and what is right. And by that perseverance, that life flows. This abundant life is available not only to ourselves, but it overflows to others around us. It's a spring of living water that comes up and out of us. It's a flow of the nourishing sap from the vine to the branches that necessarily will bear the fruit. You know, this is a theme that I return to very often. And it is the way out of these difficult circumstances to abide in the Lord, to allow his power to have its effect in our lives. Well, friends, I'll close for now. We can thank God that he gives us his living word and that his word is living and active and powerful and it bears its fruit. And I pray that you will continue to rest in him, seek out his truths through the scriptures, and by understanding and believing that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you will have life in his name. And until next time, I pray that you'll continue to walk in the ways of God because his ways are always very good and they always lead to rest for your souls. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening and God bless you all.